This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You are listening to Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. Hey, what's going on? It's Metal Shop, and uh, it's Metal Shop Backstage Pass right now. I'm talking with Tim Singer, a vocalist of Dead Guy, Kiss It Goodbye, No Escape, Process Black, and now Bitter Branches. I was actually just jamming the new Bitter Branches EP uh, at work today. It's awesome. Uh, First off, thanks for coming on. Uh, How are you doing today? How how are you doing tonight, actually? Um, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I'm I'm a dad, so (laughs) all my kids started school today. So uh, that's about as not punk rock as it gets, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's funny. Like summer ended with like the flick of a switch, and uh, all of a sudden there's a bunch of us in the house with laptops and Zoom calls, and yeah, sort of surreal. So I know that in in some places in the United States they're allowing some schools to open up and minimal like stuff like that. But you guys are all online, right? Yeah, everything's remote so far. That's and uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, like, I, I sort of don't. I mean, I care. I, you know, I, I'm happy if they stay remote. It's, it seems stressful to try to figure all this shit out. Um, you know, I don't know. I got other things in my mind, like the election and shit like that. Oh yeah. Um, as far as like you know, so being having that role of being a dad and like trying to also like you know stay mentally like wrap your head around all of this crazy i imagine is is a lot but also like how much um do you let them know about like the coronavirus do they do they do you tell them about that kind of stuff can they even really like wrap their head around what the yeah, hell is I mean, going on believe, believe it or not i've got twins that are 16 and my oldest daughter is a second it's starting her second year of college oh so, uh, okay cool so they're definitely oh yeah so it's funny because the rest of the guys in my band all have those little kids you okay, know, like, okay. Uh, and i'm the guy who's who got the earlier start so my kids are you know they're like peers and we're all collectively okay um it's nice because we're all collectively pissed off about the same things politically and um yeah you can have like grown-up conversations about it, which i think makes it a little more tolerable uh, my bandmates are going a little insane trying to yeah. deal with, you know, tiny ones that are stuck in the house and don't quite understand what's going on. Man, that would be so hard as as, as a little kid to just be like, wait, why can't I play with my kids? Or why can't I play with my friends? Like, what the hell? Yeah. And, like, <laughs> you're trying to explain, like, if you're, you know, oh, like, if they're 
you know, that it could affect their grandparents and like, you know, and not try to scare the shit out of them. And yeah. also not try to go too nuts because they're in the house all day when they used to like, uh, you know, school. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the, the bands, Bitter Branches, we meet like once a week, like, uh, either in a giant warehouse where we can be far apart or, uh, my backyard if it's if, it, if we don't want to plug in okay and we sort of you know we keep our distance and uh yeah. i can tell that everybody's just sort of fried <laughs> you know what i mean totally uh, uh, you, know, you kind of truck along and honestly like music's music was my outlet as a teenager and it's yeah. been like my outlet for through this like it's kept me sort of sane that's my question was like how how are you staying sane and you kind of just answered my question is like you know through music right and then that's kind of just kept you together yeah i mean uh it's funny because you know bitter branches finished recording i did my vocals like the last time it was the last thing i did socially like uh before everything shut down wow okay and we we sort of knew the writing was on the wall and uh, and Dead Guy was also in the midst of like you know we had just sort of had our first in person reunion with the five of us, you know we were planning on some 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 things like you know working on this documentary, a reissue, yeah. a twenty five anniversary reissue of Fixation, mm-hmm. you know um, some fests here and there, so you know a weekend in Brooklyn, like all sorts of. Um, and uh, all that stuff sort of came to a screeching halt, and you sort of shift gears. And I became more of like this sort of like. Luckily, we could promote the Bitter Branches record and yeah. sort of network and do all that kind of stuff, and you know that keeps you busy. And um, it's actually been sort of gratifying because I normally in life don't have the time to check out a ton, as much new music as I'd like, and yeah. now I've got all sorts of time to do that. And I've connected with bands all over the country and. Um, it's been cool, actually. Well, they're, they're, you're, you're finding some positives out of it, man. You, you, I guess you kind of have to. And for me personally, it's kind of been a chance for me to keep my life a little bit more simple, like, uh, uh, right. and which I, I, you know, I, since I was a teenager, my kind of my identity was just always being at shows and going to shows and just being a music lover and kind of part of that whole world and not having that outlet. I'm like finding other like uh, healthy th- ways to spend my time. <laughs> okay. I guess I have <laughs> right. to go running or something. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a weird time, but it's, it sounds like you're navigating pretty well. Uh, I, so I, I have a dead guy t-shirt on the back of it. It says death to false metal. Can I, can I get the story? Can I get the story about that? Um, no, I wouldn't be the one to, to tell you that story, sadly. Oh, okay. It's like, um, well, because, like, so many things with the band, like, I, like even fixation on a co-worker, like, so many of the, like, you almost have to get all of us to talk about it to oh, be like, okay. where the f*** did that really come from? Yeah. Like, we used to make, like, we had so many sayings. Like, we used to make business cards that said, like, you know, Jesus hates you, Satan thinks you're cute, you know? So, it, it's yeah. like, the depth of false metal, it became a thing. Like uh, like one of our little phrases, um, and like you know, we made so many T-shirts that was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm trying to think. It's, I'm sure it's based on something. Like it's a spoof on something because we were always spoofing something. Um, yeah, and then it became sort of a mantra. Like because we we're always sort of uh, poking fun at ourselves. Like yeah. when, when the band started, like you know, we're we're five dorks from New Jersey who just 
wanted, were ambitious and wanted to be different and wanted to kind of push things, but also didn't think we were like rock stars. We just thought, like, we, we literally were like, we didn't know if we sucked. We didn't know <laughs> if we were the best thing since sliced bread. We couldn't even tell in the beginning that the show was like, you could sort of see the head nodding and stuff, but like, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have mosh parts. And we, you know, we all came from the heart, like more typical hardcore scene. So it was, you know, but we're ripping off more like AMREP stuff and like that. And yeah. just being influenced by that and, and everything else, like metal and everything. Right. Um, so, but we, we never really, you know, we didn't, we weren't like, we're the next, whatever. We just, we loved what we were doing mm-hmm. and we sort of did it to 11 um. Yeah, and we just had you know we we just liked to kind of with everything, and Death to False Metal was sort of fit into that. Yeah. But man, it's funny because you know, twenty years later, like I see so many people with that shirt. Like that shirt is like, yeah, I don't even, I can't even explain it. Like it's, I've seen it. Like people send me links to that. I swear to God, like people on the moon wear that shirt. Like it's like on everybody. It's unbelievable. Um, well, you but guys. Honestly, I almost. <laughs> I was just talking to Dave today, the drummer. Yeah. Um, I, I could actually. I could ask him. <laughs> sure. No. Like, if you know specifically, but he'd probably be like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> like that's sort of. <laughs> when we all get together and people ask us these things, you're like, uh, you know, like we sort of remember how the name came about. We sort of remember, like, you know, stuff like that. So I'm sorry if that was. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> I, I can tell that you guys have a. Probably have a pretty good time when you're hanging out. You probably have a lot of inside jokes and stuff. So, yeah, you know, I'm assuming it's just something that spawns from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's funny because we took we took the music super seriously, mm-hmm. right? Like we really, you know, we we thought we found our own way and we thought we were into something and we 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 can love it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I took my lyrics super seriously. But then, like the prison, like I never wanted to seem macho. I never wanted to seem like like we were trying to be cool. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like there's that there's that fine line between taking it seriously and acting like you're hot. You know what I mean? So totally. We almost went over backwards to not act like hot. You know, um, and have fun with the presentation and stuff and. You know, all the t-shirts and everything else. Well, something I saw, speaking of t-shirts, is, uh, so I'm subscribed to the magazine Decibel, uh, the metal magazine, and, and they kind of did a, right. an homage to the dead guy, uh, uh, a death to false metal t-shirt. Did you get a kick out of that when you saw it? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to think. Of, they might, I talked to those guys because we were trying to, like, recreate. I mean, the Decibel guys are great. They're, like, they're, like, at this point, I feel like they're in our inner circle because awesome. Like uh, the first time the five of us talked after you know fifteen years was when Decibel interviewed us for the their Hall of Fame thing. Yeah, which is so um, cool. And that sort of, and then we actually thought something might pick up a little steam from that. And then we all just, sort of, I, I don't know, we're all knee deep in having families and stuff like that, and we lived all over the place, and nothing mm-hmm. really came of it. Um, but uh, yeah, they did that, and it's funny because we're like, uh, yeah, we've just been chatting with them a lot because we were going to do the decimal fast, and that's been like postponed three times now. Yeah, um, yeah, so I knew about that. There's, 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 there's a couple people reach out to me when they want to do spoofs on stuff, like Rich Hall. I don't know if you know him. He's oh yeah, there, yeah, Seattle area. 
he did the dad guy shirts. He reached out to me, made sure it was cool. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. And you're and, like, uh, you know, he sent me one. I gave him my blessing. Thought it was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's great, man. Uh, so you were mentioning so it is first off congratulations it is the 25th anniversary of fixation on a coworker, which is probably weird to hear people talk about uh uh i imagine it's pretty surreal to think that that was 25 years ago um obviously we're talking about the dead guy album fixation on a Coworker. and if you're listening now and you haven't heard that record press pause here real quick jam that record have your mind blown and then come back um so <laughs> you guys have some reissue news about that yeah, I mean, we're in the middle of trying to figure out um, a special reissue for that. Um, you know, it was on Victory. I think Victory got bought, and we're trying to figure out all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's funny because with Bitter Branch, like, I'm doing reissues of, like, all of a sudden I'm doing uh, my first band, No Escape, we're doing a reissue. Um, so I'm working on vinyl packaging for that. Bigger branches. I just did vinyl packaging. Like dead guy. I've I've dug up all the old stuff. So I'm trying to find all the original. I mean, it was so long ago. Like think about software 25 years ago. And, yeah. You know, and it's just like uncovering those files and they're you know it's like can I even open this? So I mean, and I you know I don't want to just do like Dave and I were talking. We don't want to just like here's a colored vinyl reissue. I want it to be something sort of cool. Yeah. Right, especially vinyl so sort of collectible and precious now. Like you know, you know, you don't you don't press twenty thousand of it anymore because it's just it's sort of for the collectors. Totally. Um, so I want to just make a really cool package. So that's something. And COVID's actually bought us a little bit more time. There you go. We were, you know, because I think pretty much November was supposed to be when a lot of shit was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, this documentary that was really the cause for us to actually get in the room together again is going to debut and all this stuff. And um, yeah, now it's like, in some ways, it's a time to do like an even bigger effort, you know, in the documentary. Like, the amount of people that have agreed to be interviewed for this is, is humbling. Um, yeah. So it keeps getting longer. We didn't want to do this long thing, and um, and it's not really us doing it, but we're we're helping obviously to do it in it. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. Um, yeah, we'll see. So I guess we'll be the big twenty six. You know, like who the hell knows? Yeah, so there you go. Uh, it's fun because like there's there's a lot of creative stuff to work on, um, and. It feels like it should all lead to some live stuff, but who the hell knows what that's going to be? I think uh, in 2021, everyone will kind of understand that, hey, maybe it wasn't the 25th anniversary, but we can just kind of uh, forgive because last year was f- is what we'll say. So Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's like the unpause. I, I actually it, think everybody's just going to spontaneously combust. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like Jesus Christ, can we just wipe that off the slate? I don't know. Uh, uh, and uh, right. so, so the documentary is still being worked on. Yeah, um, nice. yeah. This this guy, Bill Fourth. I think it's called Fourth World Media. Um, yeah, Bill's working on it. It's like he's just cranking. That's awesome. Um, it's like a, he's doing it independently. Uh, he's a he's a fan of the band. He he happened to run into Dave and there's a whole long story there, but, but, but he ran into Dave. This guy's a total, he's like a pro, like he worked on like those HD TV shows and cool. Um, but he's total hardcore metalhead. Um, 
and you know, super fan of Dead Guy, and just I think always wanted to do it. And then literally spent time with Dave, and they started talking. And uh, next thing you know, Dave's reaching out to all of us to kind of try to get us in a room together. Yeah. You know, so that we all ended up in Hoboken, hanging out, and uh, yeah, and, you know, the first trailer I thought was pretty hilarious. It's pretty spot on. Right. So um, yeah, we'll see where everything goes. Cool, man. Well, I'm stoked to to uh, see that when it comes out, and uh, I'm sure you know uh, we'll be keeping updated with that as as the time comes. Uh, and and you mentioned the no escape reissue. I wanted to shout out John Pettibone from Eris and Himsa. He gave me a no escape original cassette. I'm looking at it right now. It says two dollars post paid. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, I got... how's that even possible? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got the it's the original cassette on Maxell. So shout out to John yeah, for Pettibone's awesome, man. I remember seeing his first bands in New Jersey. I met him and Damien, who ended up in Kiss Goodbye. Yeah. Um, Undertow. Yeah, we all became fast friends, and then you know Ron, who passed away last mm-hmm. year, Ron Rodney put out the yep. the No Escape album. Oh, you know, really? Awesome dude. Ron yeah. Gardapi, R.I.P. Yeah. Right on, man. That's cool. Yeah, so there's a lot of Seattle interwoven with like every band of mine, really. Yeah. Uh, Right on, man. Well, uh, you're speaking of like, you know, all your bands and whatnot. Your newest band is called Bitter Branches. As I said uh, in the beginning of the interview, I listened to it today. It's awesome. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I'm getting kind of like Swizz vibes a little bit in it, but not like, I'm not trying to say. I hear that a lot, yeah. But, uh, but like, it's just, it's awesome, man. It's like, uh, melodic, but just also dark. Uh, I'm, I'm quite, I'm wondering like, when did the project get going? Who are the other guys in the band with you? And how do you know them? And like, what, what's kind of like the formation story of, of Bitter Branches? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so, I was at a show, um, mm-hmm. a benefit show for a friend of mine, Howie. Okay. Um, and this band, Alone in the Crowd, that was on. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, they did a reunion show to raise money. So mm-hmm. I was at the show, and I'm getting texts from my daughter going, this guy, Jeff Tirabasi, you know, says he knows you. And I just face-painted his daughter. Because my daughters are older, right? So they were at this... They're at their teacher's daughter's birthday party. Oh, wow. And my kids are the older kids, the teenagers, and they're, you know, they're doing the face painting of all the little kids at this party. Yeah. They, their teacher has a really young daughter. So my now drummer, Jeff, has a really young daughter who's at that party. So Jeff has Stella texting me, and Stella's my daughter. And next thing I know, you know, Jeff and I are exchanging texts, and we knew each other from back in the day. He's in Walleye, which is on J Tree, and like Walleye and No Escape played a ton of shows together. That's awesome. And they played shows with Dead Guy, too. And, um, so we just go way back, right? And I, I don't think I'd seen them in 20 years. Um, and it turns out we lived like a mile from each other. <laughs> That's rad. So I thought he just wanted to grab coffee. When I when we grab a coffee, he like slides me, he, he, uh, he pitches me this new band. And I was like, I don't know, you know, because I was sort of semi-retired. I've done some projects like Process Black and stuff. Yeah. Um, and he's just persistent. He's like, just come to practice. You know, and he, and he, I played the demo that they had already recorded, and it sounded very DC to me. And I was like, I don't know if I can do, you know, I don't know if I'm your guy, because I'm not, you know, I don't sing like Dave Smalley or you know, those types of people, right? Yeah. Um, but Swizz is a good example, because that's like, to me, 
true hardcore vocals against the DC sound. Totally. So we're going to practice, and I do my thing over their songs. And it's sort of like what, like what I've been blessed with with all my bands is they started to write around my style. Oh, right? cool! Yeah, turns out they sort of wanted to. They wanted to get a little darker, um, and I've always wanted to do something more in the vein of the Laffy Hyenas, um, you know, I guess Swizz, Jesus Wizard, you know, early early sub pop stuff. Yeah, um, it's pretty rocking. Know, it's just stuff that I think is heavy without necessarily. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to do another dead guy kind of band, another mm-hmm. kiss goodbye kind of band. It's like I've already done that, right? And um, so this just worked out. Like we have all the same, we love all the same. Shit. Like you know, we all worship Steve Albini or like early sound guy, like whatever it is, right? Yeah, like, we just love the same way. Like it could be PJ Harvey, whatever it is. Like we mm-hmm. all. Feel, about being close with each other, we're all, we're all, and it reminds me of Dead Guy, where we all have sort of similar wavelengths, like we're all sort of vibing off each other. And then, so I met a guy in the band I didn't know ahead of time. It's uh, this guy, DK, uh, on bass, and um, Kevin on second guitar, and Matt, well, Kevin and Matt on guitar, I don't know which one's first, which one's second. Um, Matt was in Calvary. He came by way of he moved to Philly from New York, but he lived in Chicago. And Kevin and DK are like Philly homegrown guys, and um, everybody's righteous. We're all, you know, yeah. You know, it's just, it's just a fit because it was like an easy fit, you know. Um, and somehow we've become a hardworking band, even though we all have little kids. Dude, that's awesome, man. That's cool. And you, you said you kind of you're just making it work, you know. Practice whether it's uh, you said out outdoors uh, and just getting together or like in a big warehouse. That's you guys are obviously. Uh, if you can make it through this right now, then I think you guys uh, will have a good head start. Yeah, I mean that's sort of what we're we're hoping, you know. It's it's frustrating, but it, you know you can't feel sorry for yourself because there's people going through some real misery. Um. But, you know, it's like we were in, like, we, we recorded to almost see, like, what do we actually sound like? You know, yeah. when we, like, turned it into a record and stuff because uh, we we liked it. But, um, you know, we were finally like, oh, that's what we sound like, you know? Like, like when you are able to step outside of it and, like, just listen to it. And we sort of feel like we found our lane and, you know, like, how we want to pursue the songwriting and stuff like that. And... You know, it's sort of a screeching halt, but we're all sort of, we did all the cliche things. We had Zoom meetings and you know, all this stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I have, a, I have an attached garage in a big backyard, so we sort of go. sat far apart and they played really, really tiny amps and we try to write that way, you know? Um, yeah. And then we're, we're lucky we have access to this ginormous warehouse where we can be super loud and still. That's awesome. Sort of separate. Um, so, yeah, I think we're luckier than most in that regard. We're trying to take advantage of it, you know? Hell yeah, man. So, uh, again, the uh, you can uh, check out the new Bitter Branches record, uh, the EP, and, and uh, do you still have physical copies available? Um, yeah, it's on Tonic Action, so you can go um, to their... You know, Instagram, website, whatever. Yeah. So I think it's atomicactionrecords.com. Okay. That's where you can order the Bitter Branches stuff. Um, you know, it's on all those channels, typical channels like Bandcamp, like that. Yeah. And then No Escape is actually going to be on Home Island Records, which is 
I think a newer label by the side of New Jersey put out Second Arrows, which is Crispy from Dead Guy. And if you haven't heard about Second Arrows, you should definitely check that out. Cool. Um, it's pretty freaking awesome. So that's hell minded. Yeah. Um, and they just put out the new Shades Apart and you know, stuff like that. Oh, cool. Uh, um, Second Arrows, obviously, because it's crispy. I'm just like, it's, I already had a soft spot for it before I heard it. And then I heard it and I was like, this is good. That's awesome. So it's like, and it's funny because we're already talking about like, we want to play shows with that band and that band and that band. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're already yeah. figuring out um, like a like a route that you want to go, and you're like, all right, line up the next five oh, yeah. years. And <laughs> I mean, there's so many good bands like, that have been coming out. You know, like from all over the country, like Easy Prey down in Texas, and B Wells taking the world by storm, and Every Scar is a Story, and I mean, Desperate Living is another Philly band that's like amazing. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of cool because I use, I am not the guy to know about new stuff, but now I just I I'm like I absorbed with it. It's it's pretty awesome, and I'm actually working on a putting out a comp um, rad through Hell Minded too, where so it's, it's sort of my job right now to find some not so known bands and mm-hmm. get them on this comp, and then it's it's, it's going to raise money. We haven't figured out exactly the cause yet. Yeah. But, um, Suddenly, I love putting records together again. So it's like my thing. That's cool, man. So I, I gotta ask, like, what are your what are your resources to do that? Are you just doing a lot of like scouring the internet? Obviously, there's no shows we can go to right now. Um, how are you? You know, are there certain resources? Yeah, I mean, Jeff and I were just talking, and we we've just been networking, right? Yeah. Like, if we, I don't know, through Bandcamp, sometimes you just follow a link, or someone might mention something. Yeah. Um, Go down a rabbit hole. You know, like, and and like you just reach out. Like, yeah. It's funny because, uh, like, well, like, and it's like it, it's funny because, like, when uh, Second Arrows came out, I mean, I I, I know Crispy obviously mm-hmm. from Dead Guy. And uh, I just wrote, I just commented on the Instagram feed, and the next thing I know, Hellminded Records is reaching out to me. That's awesome. About the No Escape stuff. Um, but and I might post something, a, a like on a band, and they'd be like, "Oh my God, I'm a Kissing the fan from yesteryear." And next thing I know, I have a relationship with that band, and yeah. you know, stuff like that. So um, I think the fact that I'm an old man and I have all these punk points, and there you go. Some of my bands have a little bit of notoriety. Um, that helps. I've turned that into like a way to network and discover new music. And, and I just want to shine a light on it because um, it's really cool and it's also not the boys club it was 25 years ago, which I think is really cool. That is you even, know? that's even something um, that I've noticed over the past 10, 15 years is is how much more inclusivity and, and much more like, uh, you know, regardless of gender, sex, uh, race, and it just seems like it's opened up and, and is way more just like for uh, everyone, which is really awesome to see. And, um, you yeah. know, it's, it's really rad and, and kind of uh, empowering, I'd say. Um, but being like a white cis male guy, obviously, I'm like, uh, you know, I, I, it was never like it wasn't empowering me or something, but, uh, now it's, it's awesome to see everyone represented. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it's sort of like as us being your typical white male, whatever, Yeah. beyond my control, like what, what, like the, the makeup of the scene, yeah. you know, but, um, so I'm, somehow it came along, right? And I'm I'm super thankful. Yeah. And I just want to shine a light on it, be an ally, you know, celebrate it. Um, it makes me happy, you know. It's like just that 
it's evolved to to that point. You know what I mean? Uh, so, so you met. So, so something's working. We talked about how you're a dad. Do your kids have any interest in underground punk, hardcore metal, or are they like, Dad, you're weird? Uh, <laughs> they don't think I'm weird. They they think it's really cool. Okay. Um, you know, and, and, but they're not like none of them are super punk rock. Okay. I mean, like, um, they're super progressive individuals. Yeah. And, um. But none of them, like, yeah, listen to music quite as heavy as the music I make. You Fair know? enough. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's that's fine, right? I, I, like, I always hated people who have an agenda for their kids where it's like, I'm going to put my kid in straight-edge T-shirts when they're seven. Punk like, rock dress-up, right? Give them a mohawk. Mo- mo- like, I was going to dress my kids in remote T-shirts to prove how cool I am. Um, so let them figure out their own shit and... Uh, that's like you know, the punk rock stage I just mom. Want them to be like individual, um, yeah, and righteous people, mm-hmm. and we all are. Um, so that checks the box, yeah. That's awesome, man. So, uh, thinking back to when you were, you know, their age or even younger, like what was uh, what was your introduction to underground music, whether it be metal, hardcore punk, or just like loud underground music? What was your first introduction to it, Tim? Um. In terms of just music, just sonically, I'd say it actually started with like bands like Sabbath, yeah, uh, Rush. I mean, I saw Rush back in nineteen eighty eighty one as my first concert ever. Hell yeah! Um, and you know, I think it was the YYZ tour, and Neil Peart did a fifteen minute drum solo. Oh, um, awesome. All right. So I, so it's funny. I think the first metal band I saw was Rat because they opened up for Billy Squire. Okay. I don't even know if you'd call it rat metal. <laughs> <laughs> Hair metal, whatever that was. But, uh, um, rat and roll. Yeah, but I didn't. I was like, you know, super into music until I got into like Sex Pistols, Clash. Mm-hmm. And then that from that, it evolved to like Dead Kennedys, Suicidal Tendencies. You know, then I bought the Let Them Eat Jelly Beans comp and I discovered Black Flag and Bad Brains and. I'd already discovered Minor Threat, but yeah. I have an older brother too, right? So, okay. Um, when you have an older, my brother's four years older and he's already into punk rock, so you can, it's like, that's such a great gateway into that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in New Jersey and I could, I, I could take a train to New York City as oh, a kid. Awesome. Go to Bleaker Bob's or Venus Records and like, you know, find cool punk records. But, you know, at the same time, I'm buying like XTC and Depeche Mode and like that. Yeah. Um, and then, one of the most mind-blowing things is like seeing the Cro-Mags at the Ritz in like 86. Like that, that was mind-blowing. Yeah. And then uh, that same year, I think I saw Agnostic Front of CBGBs. Um, There's your starter pack right there. Dude. And so there, like, that, once I went to CBGBs, I never looked back. It was like, that, like there was no other kind of show that I was interested in. You know, I just wanted to go to these small punk rock shows where you could step up on the stage, where you could talk to the bands, where like you could be in the pit with the bands that weren't yeah. playing. You know what I mean? And just um, and it's from CBGBs, like like we were spoiled. So uh, speaking that was of sort of my journey, I was like a suburban kid who was close enough to New York. Yeah, and then um, and then 
I ended up living in New York. And, okay. You know, I, I, first place I was in New York, I sublet uh, used to today's apartment when they went on tour. Oh, that's and, rad. Um, you know, lived in Williamsburg with my girlfriend and my stepbrother and uh, was doing a punk fanzine, uh, Boiling Point, yeah. you know, and and that was like my introduction into the scene as far as really meeting people mm-hmm. and, and that kind of stuff. And and then uh, once you're surrounded by musicians in your life and you, you're not one, if you have any aspirations of being in a band, it's like you give your you give singing a, a shot, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's how I ended up in band. Well, I I had a question about that actually. Uh, I was going to ask you. So, looking at the No Escape tape and 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 uh, you know thinking about you know your uh, kind of growing up in hard or getting into hardcore, going to those shows, and then becoming a part of that community, doing a zine. Uh, what gave you the confidence to kind of just stand up front and and take the microphone and start giving you know singing a, a shot? What gave you the confidence to to be the uh, vocalist in a hardcore band? Yeah, you know that's a great question because I was I'm not I'm not an extrovert. I was never a kid to even get up and make speech, like you know, talk in front of class, that kind of shit. Yeah, um, it's one of those things. I think I just in my mind thought it was like the next step, right? Like I just saw so many people in bands, and you know, I was friends with like all the guys from. You know, Youth of Today and the Little Biscuits and Beyond, all these like great bands. And I, I just knew all, and it was such a great expression. And, and it just looked like something I thought, I, in my mind, I thought I could do it. And I was so okay. heavily influenced by like minor threats like that growing up. Like it just meant so much to me um, on sort of a lyrical level um, that I was always writing lyrics. I had like books full of lyrics. I fancied myself a lyricist. Okay. Um, and then, so I was just like, the opportunity landed on my lap. I was living with Evo, and uh, he's the guitar player for No Escape. Yeah. And he had come back from a practice um, that I was not at. Like, he'd started this band with just some musicians, and he was trying out some other singers that he knew. And the guy just never sang at practice. I like, couldn't muster up the courage to sort of sing out loud. So he came home, he's like, you know, you say you've always wanted to do this kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and I was like, basically, I was like, shit, like, I, if I don't do this, I suck, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's really one of those sort of Fell in your crossroads lap. moments. Yeah. Of like, even if I suck, I got to, like, just go all out. Um, so that's how it happened. And I was terrified, you know, I couldn't sleep the night before the first practice. Yeah. But then I found, like, once... The music started, I was fine, you know, like, I mean, our first show was at the Anthrax playing with Burning Earl Biscuits, so wow. that's my first time on stage is playing with, like, legendary, <laughs> you know, there's some legendary lineup at the Anthrax, like, not a, not like a quiet little soft line, yeah. like, you know what I mean? And I, people knew who I was from being Tim Boiling Point and all this kind of Yeah. So, um, a little bit of pressure, in a way, to not suck. And I like, you know, it was like a four hour drive to this show, and I was just sitting in the back of the van, like, one that just puked the whole time. And could barely, you know, I was like feeling wobbly, you know, um, and it's, you know, completely straight edge, so it's not even like I'm going to do a shot or something yeah. on my nerves. I, went, I was straight edge at the time, I should say. Yeah. Um, so 
And then I hop up on stage and all the butterflies go away and I'm like completely fine. Because I remember someone like, like someone hand me a flyer or like I make an announcement for the next week's show or maybe there's a benefit or something. And I, like I'm holding this flyer before, before I get up there. I'm like going, I don't even know if I can read this thing. <laughs> and then I get up there and somehow it just, I was fine. You know, um, so I, I don't know how to explain that. Dude, then, you, you then, arrived. Like, when you're hooked. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, you're hooked. You know, you... you have a pretty powerful voice. Um, and I'm not the first person to say that. You have a really powerful voice. Uh, and w- did it take a while to, to kind of learn that? Or did that, is that just, this just co- the way it came out? Or did you kind of like have to kind of uh, practice and hone your both. voice? Okay. Um, it's a little of both. Um, I mean, first, you don't really know what you're doing. Yeah. You know? um, and I'm modeling myself after, you know, minor thread and just hardcore singers, right? Yeah. Like, because that's how I, even Chain of Strength or Inside Out, like, I was, I always imagined I would sound like those kind of guys. Um, you know, exactly like this, uh, in my mind, I sounded like him. Like, so I, I, in my mind, I sounded a certain way, uh, but you don't know if it's going to come out that way. And then you have to figure out how to breathe and how to, like, um, fine range, even if you're someone like me. Um, and I really prided myself on that. Um, yeah. But it took a while. I mean, I, I what I know now versus like those first no escape practices night and day. Um, yeah, so I know how to find that power. Um, and it's a little bit of a blessing. I, I think yeah. I, there's something there that not everybody has, I guess, that I can just really... Uh, I'm lucky to have, um, and there's always there is something inside me that is uh, perpetually unresolved. Like because in practice, like I, like I, I might have like one hook lyrically now, and I just will just riff over a song and then write the rest of the lyrics. I, I don't have to like stop and the song and like write down and I'm sort of exploring inflection and stuff so i don't know it's gotten more nuanced yeah it's funny because if you don't if you don't listen to our kind of music a lot of people think it sounds all the same but i actually i'm pretty proud of my vocals and i i, I try to find a lot of nuance in it um and i do think it's a lot it's, it's definitely an evolution from where i started and i feel like good advantage like it's going to evolve even more you know that, that's part of the frustration is like it's fine it takes me a good three months of practice, two, three months to really break my voice in where I could like take it everywhere I want it to go. It's, uh, it's really like getting back in the shape. Um, and then if I take a couple of weeks off, it's like I lose a lot again and I have to go back and find that range again. Um, and I discovered that cause I did a lot of like, like the process black or even doing the guest vocals for every time I die, it was really hard for me. I didn't have the range I was used to when I was in Kiss Goodbye. Yeah. Because I was like in the zone. You know, I could do, I, I could, I could do whatever and like not lose my voice for a millisecond, come back the next day. Like, you, find, you get to that place. I don't even know how to explain that, but you just sort of, I think a lot of it's just from practice, you know, just constant practice. Building it up, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so 
you know, uh, we talked about what got you there and, and your inspiration as far as starting and, and whatnot. Um, but w- today, uh, you know, after all these years, you're still doing bands, you're, you're doing underground bands. It's not like you're starting this, you know, super group that's like touring the world in some bus. Like you're, you're on the ground level, <laughs> you know, grinding it out with like underground bands. Uh, and, and what, uh, what inspires you to stick to it and, and, and start things anew? Yeah, you know, it's one of those, like, I, it, it's like, it's, um, it's a, it's not a midlife crisis, because it, it's like it never went away. Yeah. You know, it's not, a midlife crisis would be me buying a sports car. Yeah. Um, it's like, at what point do you stop? I mean, I never did it for any kind of money or fame, clearly, mm-hmm. um, and the fame, any quote unquote fame has been surprising and unexpected, you know, like, uh, that people still listen to this stuff and still react to it. Um, I don't know. It's just like, it's one of those things where it's funny because my wife, when I started getting back into it, she's like, yeah, you're never happier or more fulfilled than when you're doing this stuff. Yeah. And I think it's just creating something out of nothing. And it's also like, so yeah, it's not it's not about you know five thousand people at a show or anything like that. It's like to me the it's it's that getting in a room with four four other guys and making something out of nothing. Like yeah. literally, like like these are these are songs that now exist, right? Like it's sort of it's sort of a trip, and there's something. And to me, I'm like the more you can be a part of that, and the more you can keep creating those things, the better. Yeah. Um, it just feels like a really useful way to spend my time as opposed to, I don't know, um, buying things. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. Yeah. You're I, adding I, something funny to the because world. People my age tend to just settle in and uh, they get a gut and they, <laughs> I don't know, uh, watch a lot of sports and, I I I don't want to make fun of anything, but it's just that's not what I'm interested in. You know what I mean? Like, it's way more interesting to like, you know, try to be creative and try to make something out of nothing and try to also like go against the grain. Like, um, there's so much. It's like it's funny we sort of reserve all of this anger for teenagers to be pissed off at the world. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm, st- I'm maybe more pissed off at the world now and more disappointed in my peers because the older you get, the more people just cash out and worry mm-hmm. about tea times or whatever. Um, so you almost get more pissed off because you're more, there's less of us. The older you get, I mean, it's more niche to be someone that should give a shit. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if that answered your question. No, you did. Absolutely, it's, it's man. It's still there, you know? And, and yeah. It's like it'll be there until it's not, but it's it's there, and I'm, I'm lucky that uh, I've found other guys that'll make music with me, and people seem to want to listen to the records a little bit, so it's, it's all good. And it is all good. Uh, the album again is "This May Hurt a Bit," the new Bitter Branches EP. You can you can order the album. You can also stream it anywhere you stream records. Just two more questions for you, Tim, real quick. Uh, being that we are a Seattle radio show, you are very connected to the Northwest. Uh, what are a few of your favorite Northwest bands of all time? Oh, huh. 
Um, I seem to remember Bosch kicking ass. Oh, yeah. Um, playing Enemy, my, my boy Damien. Yep. You know, you go old school and talk about, you know, bands that were great in the day, like Brotherhood. Um, and I know, you, I, you know you mentioned Soundgarden. Early, yeah, I was going to say early Soundgarden, early Nirvana. Yeah. I mean, all Nirvana, really, but the early stuff was what was blowing my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, when I worked at Venus Records, you know, I, I like knee deep, you know, neck deep in the hardcore scene with colored vinyl and seven inches, and and then all this sub pop stuff started coming out. And I was working at Venus Records, yeah, desperate to put something on the turntable that lasted more, you know, a minute and was something besides just. And I loved hardcore, but I was just like, just, I gotta listen to something else. Switch and it up, then, yeah. Like Bleach came out. Uh, I forget which Soundguard came out. Mud Honey, Touch Me Up, Sick came out. Yeah, NWA also came out at that time. There's a change. There's like so much great came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the Northwest, is that that early sub pop? Um, there's so many great early sub pop bands, and it, it got ruined by the label Grudge. You know what I mean? But uh, like Tad or the Melvins, like there's so much great. Totally. You know what I mean? Um, that sort of gets lumped into this lame sort of MCV label. Yeah. Um, but there's some, there's some really killing going on in the, in the late early nineties. Agreed, man. Thanks for uh, all those shout outs. And my final question for you, Tim, if you could pick a scar on your body and tell us the story of how you got it. <laughs> um, all right. Well, there's, uh, there's the one on my forehead. And it's from me getting nine stitches, um, which is a dead guy song. Oh, okay. So, uh, I mean, that's a pretty pretty memorable scar just because I, I wrote a song about it. Yeah. Um, the short story of that is I get, it was cold out, um, a brick hit my head in front of my house, ripped my skull open. I run into the ha- my parents had just gotten divorced or in the middle of a divorce. I'm really young at the time. Yeah. Like, you know, kindergarten or first grade or something. I can't remember exactly the year. I, you know, I'm running into the house bleeding and um, I don't even know who this guy is that's helping me because he's the latest guy to be in my mom's bedroom kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, that's what the song is about. Um, about the, this, this like idea that there's a stranger in my mom's bed that should be my dad. Um, you know, and so there's a whole, if you read the lyrics now, you can probably get a new sense of a song, but, uh, that, that'd probably be, um, Damn. I mean, I've got a lot of other scars, but that's probably the most, uh, poetic scar that I have. Where did the brick come from? Uh, my brother. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he threw a brick at me when, uh, when I wasn't looking. I was like, what the hell? Um, Where'd it come from? But, you know, he's probably nine. He's just a stupid kid, too. Yeah. And he yelled, duck, and I turned around, oh. and the next thing I know, a brick hits you right in the face. So instead of ducking, I turned around, um, and chaos ensued. And then I remember going to school with nine stitches. Brutal. Because um, I, I just remember telling and, you know, I think it was second grade, because I remember telling kids, like, yeah, I got nine stitches, you know, like I wasn't tough or something. I was not tough at the time. <laughs> and I just really remember more having this epiphany of, like, you know, when you're that young, you sort of want your dad taking care of you, and yeah. it's like this stranger. So This is weird. Um, what the hell? Yeah. yeah. 
Well, that's a good scar story, man. I appreciate you you uh, you know reliving those weird moments with me for a good scar question. Um, yeah. No so again, this is uh, Tim Singer, and uh, you can check out uh, all of his old bands: Dead Guy Kiss Goodbye, No Escapes, going to have a reissue, Process Black Project, and now you can check out Bitter Branches. Uh, this may hurt a bit is streaming now, and you can order the record. Uh, do you have any final words for the Northwest or Seattle or anyone that's just kind of going through the weird world of 2020 in America? Uh, no, just uh, get out and vote and. Vote for Biden. <laughs> there you go. I hope that's not too direct, man, but uh, uh, that's all I think about right now, man, is like we need to get out from under this, this plague. You know. This has been Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.